set your sail for the orange and blue sea. Welcome to the Java Men Fighting Illini podcast. It's December 20th. This is Suds. I'm here with Java Jubes. I'm here with Scotty Shaps, the spy. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? What's up, Legs? What's going on? Good. Okay. How you guys feeling? How you guys feeling after this past week? So we had a quiet week, another quiet week. It's finals week for for the team, for our uh, scholar athletes that we have. Saturday outing. It was a, uh, I think, an afternoon game, right? Alabama A and M. A little bit of a struggle. The line I end up pulling away at the end, sixty-eight forty-seven. I'm gonna open it up to the group, boys. Share some thoughts on on Saturday's game. Um, I feel like I just took my math four sixty-nine final. <laughs> watching that game, <laughs> holy cow. <laughs> um, we'll get into it a little bit, but uh. It seems like uh, even Brad has had enough with this uh, team, and, and I think he's actually trying to implement an offense. Um, didn't see that till the second half more, I would say. Um, but he, I think he's tired of, uh, and I'm, I mean, I don't know how much of it has to do with him and has to do with the players of, of them essentially running their own offense, um, which me and lags ran at the community center when we would go there in, in sixth grade after school um so it's nice to see that he's at least trying something um but yeah overall not 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 a great game to uh to watch besides the outcome chaps initial take yeah this is a tough one i was uh at a family christmas party watching this game like sitting by myself in the corner on my phone um, getting glares across the room, you know, from the wag and, uh, you know, cause I'm not socializing with the family instead of just, yeah, I'm just pouting in the corner watching Alabama A&M go on a 14, nothing run oh against, God. you know, our, our top ranked fighting Illini. So it was, uh, it was pretty tough to try to, to watch that. Yeah. Luckily, we have uh, Matthew Meyer, who just came in and decided to take over. It looked like Underwood, like Jamie said, just completely gave up. He was just sitting on the bench for most of the game with his hands on his head. He was letting, you know, Chester Frazier and, and Tim Anderson coach most of the game, it seemed like. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they have much of a semblance of an offense. The defense is, seems like there's no effort at all. So I don't know what's going on with the team right now. Hopefully they, they snap out of it soon. Maybe they've just been studying really hard for finals. I don't know. We all remember finals week when it was just like... Most of the time it was just a lot of drinking during finals week because if you only had one or two tests, you would just find somebody else to drink with for the entire day. <laughs> so maybe that's what they were doing. I don't know. But they also said I, I... that... Underwood was pushing him really hard in practice, so they were probably just exhausted, honestly. Yeah. Well, I hope 
the former was the case where they were out drinking a little bit. At least that'd be a good excuse. But chaps, not a game, not a game you want to be pulled away from a, a party for. That that should be an easy one. That that's one where you're expecting. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I you're like, I don't have to watch free. this. Yeah, I thought this was going to be an easy one. You know, and it would earn me some kind of brownie points to say like, "Hey, look, I didn't even watch the Illinois game. Aren't you proud of me?" You know, I was fully engaged in the uh, family conversations, but. Of course, Illinois can just never give me that break. Uh, Lags, before we get into it, Japs mentioned Matthew Meyer. Interesting stat. Um, Brad took him out because he got three fouls, and if you've watched Big Ten basketball, <laughs> um, there's certain you know requirements of a player can't play on your team depending on how many fouls they have and what time there is in the game, I think. Brad has like a matrix in front of him that if you, know, if you have two fouls, you can't play in the first half anymore. Like You're just done. Of course. Um, so of course. they took him out with 17 minutes left around. Um, he went back in with a little under 11 minutes left. And guess who hadn't scored a point um, during that entire time period? Illinois. Um, that's incredible. Against Alabama. <laughs> I mean, that's scary. You just scared the shit out of me. So if we, if we can't score a point, and Matthew Meyer is a good offensive player, but I mean, we should have other people players that do that obviously so so jubes let's talk about this a little bit because you're the actuary Mm -hmm. i'm an accountant Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know i'm just looking at the numbers and to me if you fall out of a game i mean if you fall out of the game that means that you maximize the minute right i mean i I, and I, i get it like you know you want your best players in at the end of the game versus earlier in the game but the first two minutes of a game (laughs) two minutes is two minutes right so the first two minutes of a game is the same as the last game and we've seen it time and time again where brad he takes these guys out after two i mean jubes you mentioned it he takes these guys out with two fouls if these guys get two fouls within the first three minutes of the first half it's like well you might as well chalk it up to a this guy's going to be lucky to play 18 minutes mm-hmm. for the game. It's and, crazy. And that's what happened with Purdue last year um, because Brad refused to double Edie. Um, Kofi would get in foul trouble, and then he'd come out, and instead of going, uh, you know, five, I would say five out with Coleman uh, last year, he would put in BBV and Omar Payne instead. Um, and, like, in those games, you just can't, you know, you, there's Kofi's not a replaceable player, so if he's not going to work, you you got to change what you're doing. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's unfortunate he he goes by that. I mean, every every coach does, but it's not necessarily the right yeah. move um, in certain situations. You know, it's just odd to me how we take it to such an extreme. And I don't I don't think we're an outlier by any, but it's just. You know, it wouldn't be the end of the world, especially with this team. I get it a little bit more with a guy like Kofi, like you said, Jubes, because like you can't replace Kofi. But with this team, it's like next man up. What's the difference? So, <laughs> just if he fouls out, yeah. Fouls I mean, I'd rather you know, have Matthew he- Meyer play, and then if he fouls out, then you put in Tyrod Rogers. Yeah. But at least Matthew Meyer played for you know fifteen minutes, not yeah. He played the maximum amount of time he would have played because he, otherwise <laughs> he's on the bench anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I just I don't understand it. But we'll get into it a little bit. We got a great segment list. I, I didn't share my thoughts on the Alabama A&M game. I, 
I felt on Saturday the way I kind of do right now. My, I couldn't get Charlie to sleep. My two year old. It was it was one of those nights. Screaming in the bed. I I I bailed halfway through. I came down. I poured myself a stiff Sailor Jerry, <laughs> and that's the same way I got through Saturday. That's I mean to be frank, it was a one point game. I texted the Illini chat, and I think there was twelve minutes left in the game. We were up like thirty nine to thirty eight or something absurd. My chest was burning. I had to pour. Luckily, it was a Saturday afternoon. I had a, a cousin's party, so just got after it a little earlier than I I would have normally. But man, that was that was a tough one. So let, let's kick it off with our first segment: mutiny below deck. <laughs> <laughs> we all saw the interviews after the game, chaps. I want to start with you, and I want to talk about the interview after the game with Matthew Meyer and, and Shannon, they interviewed together. And for those of you that didn't see it was, you would have thought that the season was over the way that interview went. So Shep, share your thoughts on that. Yeah. The whole mood of the press conference was, was really strange after the Alabama A&M game. They had Meyer and Shannon up at the podium and you could just tell their night, they're like, energy was real negative the whole time and the media was asking them kind of leading them towards trying to find out what's going wrong with this team and and they didn't want to they didn't want to divulge too much information you could tell that Meyer was kind of just biting his tongue the whole time but he had some interesting sound bites in there just things that he's not really seeing eye to eye with Underwood they practiced really hard this week, which Meyer did not seem to enjoy. And it was just a real, I, yeah, they just seemed like th- down like the a, whole time during the press conference. Yeah. And it just, it sounded like they were just complaining, really. Jeff, I didn't mean to interrupt you no. there, but when you said the, the hard practice in Meyer's reaction, this isn't a, a video podcast, but I gave you a big eye roll after <laughs> Meyer's reaction. Yeah, it's it's kind of surprising too. Um, both of those guys, and Shannon wasn't really complaining as much as Meyer was, but both of those guys came from big time programs and they played for some really tough coaches. So it's kind of surprising to see them react this way to some adversity and and some hard coaching. I mean, that's Underwood's style. I I think you have to know that when you're coming to school at Illinois, he he doesn't hide the fact that he yells and screams a lot so yeah i don't know what they kept they kept trying to push on the questions of trying to get more information of seeing what's going on in the locker room what are the issue the underlying issues with the team and you know shannon tried to cheer up the uh the press conference a little bit saying hey we just won nothing is wrong with this team we're we're fine right now and Meyer is like, yeah, actually, the team's fine. It's really just me that's having problems. So that was kind of weird. But yeah, it, it seems like they, they kept asking about if this is a crossroads for the team and are they looking for leadership? You know, cue the Bone Thugs song. Uh, that might be the intro for the pod today, Legs. Yep, I got it. So I think, I think there is something going on, but I think it is kind of what Underwood has said in the past. There's just not a lot of leadership on the team, I don't think. They lost a lot of that leadership, I think, with 
with Trent and DeMonte, guys that came up through Underwood's system and are, are kind of, probably just know how to respond to him when he's when he's pissed off. So the problem with, you know, the portal era, especially the way this team is constructed right now, your veteran players are transfers who are also in their first year under Brad Underwood and in this system. So, you know, they're not really used to responding to him. They're they're still learning kind of what makes him tick and everything. So when you're looking at those guys for leadership, that can be pretty tough. You know, when when you've got a lot of freshmen on the team that are kind of looking to those guys and probably going to model what those guys do. And so it's it can it can cause some problems in the locker room. That was kind of my takeaway from it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a a little bit of, I'm not going to say blame on both sides, but I think there's ways to work together. Um, I actually don't mind the, I don't mind hearing from the players what's actually going on. Uh, I feel like whenever you get that, um, even if it's like what they're thinking internally, uh, it's better than just watching like a Bill Belichick conference where he just says three words and you don't know anything. Um, although I'd like to hear his press conference after last week, but that's a oh, that was the best. That that's a that. different. Oh, the, the the yeah, maybe a different the beat podcast. writers love it. Yeah, yeah, you could you could have a <laughs> own podcast just on that. Oh, one. the Illini journos are are loving this right now. All yeah. the drama, like they are, yeah, they are getting off on this. So it's good to see. Um, I think that you know the coaches, and and it's kind of, I mean, it's not the NBA, but. You're getting guys on your campus who you've promised NIL deals to. You know, guys are, are certainly, it's kind of like getting the hot recruit out of high school. They're expecting something. And um, I, I, I can see why, you know, certain players may not jive with the coach in certain situations. They just haven't been around long enough. So I think they got to feel each other out. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw this during the game, but Coleman uh, had a defensive rebound, and Brad, <laughs> you Brad takes him out, and you literally see him saying, "Grow the fuck up!" <laughs> like you literally see those words coming out of his mouth. Uh, do you no, blame no. him? Coleman was like throwing cross court no. passes. Like, dude, what are you? So, what is going I mean, on right now? I'm sure Brad's frustrated, and and you know, Coleman at least I think he knows he can say that to Coleman because. He's been around for a yeah. long time under him, but um, I think there's, there's, you know, you, you, you can't just, it's not just, oh, we're going to adapt to the, the coach. I think the coach also has to somewhat adapt to the players because um, they may not be guys that they would have gotten out of high school because of the, the very reasons as to why yeah. they're there now. So, you know, it's just, I'm not saying that, you know, Matthew Meyer's right or Brad's wrong. I'm just saying, I think there's a little bit of learning to do side yeah I, I think that's fair dupes it, it it seems like maybe brad style is not clicking with these guys especially after the penn state game and it was funny to see him just kind of like <laughs> kick back on the bench uh, against alabama and i'm just like not nothing's working i'm just gonna i'm just not gonna do anything basically but i i will say i i just was not a fan of meyer's press conference i i, I wasn't i i hated a lot of it I didn't mind what Shannon did. Shannon was trying to bring it back, like you said, Chad. He was trying to bring it back and say, like, hey, we're, 
let's look at where we're at right now. We're eight and three. We, I think Illinois is the only team in the country to beat two teams in the Ken Palm top ten. If that's accurate, we've had some rough games, which is to be expected. I mean, you would have thought. I, I said this earlier, but you, like you would have thought that we just got knocked out of the tournament. It was insane the way Myra was reacting. And I, the last thing I'm going to say on it is like, if I got to hear one more thing about. Meyer's body and how he's taking care of his body. It, the kid's 21 years old, okay? Like, dude, he, he said in the press conference, like, yeah, we, you know, we disagree, Coach and I. Like, Coach is more mental. I, I, I don't know if you guys listen to the, um, the Victory podcast. It's an Entourage podcast, which is great. It's like the creator of, of Entourage, and then it's uh, Kevin Dillon, who plays drama, and then E. And they had they interviewed Gronk, and Gronk was just talking about how he acted in his twenties, and he, Gronk's just mm-hmm. going out and get wasted all the time. He's like, "Yeah, I just powered through." It's like so. I I just happened to like listen to that this morning on the way to work, and then before the podcast, I listened to the Meyer interview, and it was just like the polar opposites of that. It's like, dude, Meyer, give me a break. He's talking about how much sleep he needs to get. Yeah, it's like you would have thought this guy's forty five years old. It's like, I, uh, I, I got to take care of my body. I need all this. I got to fast before the game. It's like, dude, what is going on? With the, the interesting thing before we move on is that out of the starters, um, he probably plays the least amount of minutes, um, which I don't think he should. But uh, like he's been ar- the, the last two games specifically, he's been around 20 minutes. If you look at Penn State and, and Myers, if like he's a tra- he's a I think he's a fifth year transfer. Um, like he, should, <laughs> it's not like he's a freshman trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, like, yeah that's true. That's and and, and Penn Station's the. I mean, not. I just said Penn Station. <laughs> Shout out, Joe, uh, Joe Hollering with that. We're going to St. Louis. Uh, but Penn State, their their team is all old, and if you look at their their minutes, they all played pretty much the entire game. So I don't, and I don't, I'm just reading the tea leaves here. Does, is Matt upset that he, or Matthew, is he upset that he's not getting the playing time? Um, and Brad yeah. thinks that because he's fasting that he can't play that long. I don't know. <laughs> That's a great question. I honestly don't know the answer. I'm just throwing it out there into the pod universe. So. Well, it, you know, that's. That's why we got mutiny below deck. We got to we got to talk about some. Uh, yeah, it's that's weird. Uh, that's a that's a gr- that's a good question because he 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 talks about you know how he's had the injury. I mean, Meyer came in with injury. You know, like he was basically hurt the whole summer. He was recovering, so we thought he would probably get off to a slow start. Anyways, Shannon is the king of injuries at at Texas Tech. He was like always hurt. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think that Underwood does have to change his style a little bit. I mean, the best coaches kind of evolve their style, you know, cater towards the type of players that they have. Some guys, you can coach hard, but some guys you just, you have to treat differently if you want to get the best out of them. You can't treat every player the same. That's just kind of the reality yeah. of coaching. And like, you know, Coleman Hawkins too is is seen as one of the leaders on the team and and my biggest problem with Hawkins before this year was I always thought he was really soft. Yeah. 
Well, we didn't talk about that interview, Shep. Right, and yeah, he had another interview where he was kind of just complaining about being <laughs> yelled at all the time and, and being coached hard. We saw him flirt with the transfer portal after last season, too. So, like, here's another player that you kind of have to coddle and you have to, like, remind him that he is a good player and you're the man and you're, you're going to get your minutes and all that stuff. But I think just during the flow of games, Underwood just kind of reverts back to who he is, which is a lot of yelling and screaming. And Hawkins just isn't, he just doesn't seem like the type of player that's going to really respond to that. I don't know. It's, that's, that's always been my concern with him. And it seems like it's kind of happening again, where it's like, okay, we might be losing Hawkins here if, if he just continues yeah. to get yelled at. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen pouting like that since, like, I was a camp counselor at daycare, and, like, you put a kid in the corner, and they're, you know, sitting there with their hands crossed. I mean, I, it just, I just couldn't believe, like, it, I mean, I thought it was funny how he I was know. doing it. I actually thought it was hilarious. Yeah. But he's, I mean, it, I just haven't seen something like that, you know? It's interesting. But... Brad has to see these clips and just be like, what the hell's wrong with these kids? <laughs> you know, he probably doesn't even get mad. He's just like, this is what I'm dealing with now. You know, he just, he just knows. No, and, and yeah, that's why he's like giving up at times. And, and yeah. like in the, he doesn't know what to do. In the grand scheme of things, they are still a very talented team. Like every, every, right. I mean, every team in every sport, except if you're like the, the, the Bulls, um, 95, 96 or, or some, or something like that. Like you're going to go through ruts. They, it, yeah. it happens, right? It's just, it's just one of those times right now. So we're just not exactly responding <laughs> verbally to the media <laughs> in the in the best way. But anyway, so Jubes, I gotta grab my scuba gear because <laughs> we're on to the next segment: deep sea diving with Java Jubes. I want some X's and gold from you, Jubes. What do you got for me on this Illini team? Yeah, so um, want to talk about a couple of things that I heard on the last podcast really quick before we get into it. Um, shout out to Joe Holleran for throwing out the uh, advanced stats out here. Um, oh boy! <laughs> shout out to Shaps for punting on fourth and one at your own at the opponent's thirty-five. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm Team Eberflus. Um, when it comes to that, Eberflus. Oh, but just just so everyone's clear, uh, when when Joe was throwing out the Apps twenty three point five box PPR, BPR, th th that's a converted number to a hundred possessions. So he was not in the game right. long enough for you know. That's what I asked though. I asked for a scale, and I I had no idea what he was even talking about. He was just like throwing out random numbers. We just know Michael Jordan was really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, out of a hundred percent possessions, he was like worth negative twenty three point five points, which is is bad. But I think we just want to clarify the scale there. You know, Joe Joe's very <laughs> mad right now that he can't make it, but he had to work, and he was he was bashing everybody last week. <laughs> no, I I, I appreciate the the stat. Um, I just want to clarify it for the listeners that we're you know we have the hard hitting analytics here. Um, so <laughs> I want to talk briefly about the A and M game. Um, and then I think it's important to highlight kind of what happened at Penn State, um, or in Champaign against Penn State. Um, A and M game. I think the just our season analytics say it all. If you look at basically, I'm looking at Ken Palm, Bart Tovic, Evan Maya, 
we're basically either 44, 50, or 31 on offensive efficiency. Um, we're between 18 and 23 on def- defensive efficiency, and we're about 20 to 23 overall on the, on those sites, which I think is fair given kind of what's happened this year. Uh, I mean, I think we can play like a top 10 team, and we could also play like a team who, you know, is going to finish in the middle of the Big Ten. And right now we're, we're off to a bad start. We only have a 5% chance of winning the conference right now. Um, According to according, according to, to the analytics, um, five percent. Well, we're zero and two. Yeah, so yeah, um, you got to beat the uh, Northwestern in Chicago or Evanston. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're <laughs> they're sh- they're sh- Chicago's team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you like that one? Oh, uh, they're they're wearing <laughs> them against us. Oh no, they're the, not. Oh my god, that is just embarrassing. Their shot quality score is fifty eight. Out of like they're the 58th best team in shot quality, and they're fit that on defense they're 15. So that basically means that they don't give up easy shots, but they don't get easy easy shots either. Um, yeah. So A and M game, just a couple things. Apps actually had didn't have a great game. Uh, didn't play well. Had him and Hawkins had a ton of unforced unforced turnovers. They had eight combined. Um. Not great. Hawkins, I mean, I think like four of his turnovers, like he was watching Andre Curbelo highlights from what from like the game last year when he had when he actually had a concussion. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what he was doing on some of those. Um, but the issue is, and, and I think we'll get into it, is there's no backup for him. He's he's like the one guy on our team who doesn't really have a backup. Um, we kind of need him to play if we're going to kind of do what we, yeah. we you know, we want to do, right? A&M, in the first half, I think we scored 37 or 39 points. A&M was playing a zone. And I, I, honestly, I honestly could not tell what type of zone it was. I don't know if it was a 2-3 zone or like a matchup zone, but that was literally like the worst defense I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> um, and we still Well, we, score. we scored at that point. I literally... I, yeah. It was so bad that, I mean, basically, Illinois did not even have to run an offense, which, was, which is great because yeah. they don't usually. When we thrive. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but I think around like the, I think the 10 or 8 minute mark, um, they went to man. Um, and that's when, you know, when they started, when Illinois started to struggle a little bit. Um, and then actually what I saw in the second half is that, Illinois actually started running the spread offense, which is basically where you have two guys on like the elbows extended up um, behind the three point line. And you, then you have guys, three guys in a row, basically um, from from sideline to sideline, one guy in the middle. Um, and actually, and it's, it's like an offense where you, you pass, you cut, you move. Um, it seemed like Brad implemented it in, the, in practice this week. Because it seemed, yeah, they it seemed that. like they were just running, like it was almost like when you're playing, you know, in elementary school and your coach tells you to run to a certain spot and you like pass it and then you make sure you get to the spot and you don't even look at, you know, what's going on type of thing. Um, yeah, so yeah, th- I think it's going to, I appreciate the effort and I think they need to run something like that or at least do that sometimes. But it seemed like the team was not in sync. And so basically, when Alabama and A&M went man in second half, um, they were really struggling to score. 
Um, like I said, they took Meyer out with 17 minutes left because he had three fouls. They didn't score again until he came back in. Um, and I think one, one other thing, and this is kind of a Brad blunder that we see time and time again. Uh, there'll probably be more Brad blunders this year. But he when, when he took Meyer out, he puts Harris and Rogers in to provide a spark. And yeah. I like that for a very short amount of time. But they, those two are just so limited offensively at this yeah. point that when you're, yeah. you know, if you're trying to break away in a game, and especially a, t- a, a game where you don't need defense, really, um, because the team is just so inferior to you, I think it would be better if they went more to uh, guys that could score or just, you know, le- w- w- what's the worst thing that happened? M- Meyer gets five fouls and then fouls out against Alabama A&M. Like, I, I don't think right. that matters. You know, they should still win the game. So, and I think the same thing kind of happened in, in the Penn State game where I, I don't mind those two coming in to provide a spark, but I think you need to, you know, you know stagger it or have one or the other or have them on the, on the court for a short time um, together because I just don't think that they're really, the, the, the offense just struggles because they'll leave both of those guys wide open, you know? So. Jubes. How do you feel about trying to implement a new offense like that at this point in the season? I guess it's still early, and you maybe want to do it against a team like Alabama. And yeah, and, and, and Underwood, Underwood is, I mean, when he was at Stephen F. Austin, that's what he ran. Um, he ran that when he was at Oklahoma State, and he ran it here, uh, basically until he realized that Kofi wasn't the best guy to be running that. Um, yeah. And so I don't mind I don't mind it, I, and I think they need to do something. Um, but I think they, <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's fine to start now, especially if they had a week off and they had time. But it, it's going to take some time for them to figure out all the nuances and and the secondary, you know, action around everything on that. So I, I don't mind it, but I, I appreciate him at least trying something. So yeah, yeah, they basically had a bye <laughs> week, so maybe it'll be like the Bears when they started. They just completely changed the entire offense, this Justin Fields strength. So at least they are, you know, trying to do something. I've had a lot of concerns with the defense, too. And I don't think, and like, I don't mind the whole switch everything thing, because I think it does work, but the way they're doing it right now is not working, because I think they're taking too many of those dumb gambles, and then they're all caught out of position and not rotating. And then, Jubes, we've talked about this. The press is, is the worst press <laughs> ever. It does nothing except put us in a bad position defensively. It doesn't, it's like a fake press where we kind of show pressure but then end up just dropping back. But all it takes is one skip pass by the opposing team. And what I don't understand, the, the part that's the most frustrating, is how we have Coleman Hawkins as like the point man, you know, on on the press. The best thing that he does is protect the rim. So when the opposing team makes one pass, two passes, and all of a sudden they're in the lane on our end, and Coleman Hawkins is at like half court running back, they just get a free shot at the rim. We don't have anyone else back there to protect it. So it just makes no sense philosophically to me that press where you're taking your best defensive player and almost taking him completely out of the possession if the other team 
you know, gets the ball up quickly. Yeah, and, and that's actually kind of where I wanted to go next because um, I think we're all wondering from the Penn State game, like, what happened in that game. Um, and interesting thing, the third play of the game, um, and I think this is the issue with the press. If you want to guard guys full court, I'm okay with that. But what happens is, is that, and this was, this was literally the third play of the game. Out of the first five plays of the game, they had one possession where they didn't screw up something on defense. <laughs> yeah. So the third... <laughs> That's not going to work. Against no. A good team. And, 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 and Penn State is actually, we, you know, we joked about them being bad. They're not, they're not that bad. They're very old. They know what's yeah. going on. I mean, if they were to make the tournament, it wouldn't be a surprise. Um, Miles right. Dread, I think he could have, you know, basically, you know, chugged a shacker. That's a very old throwback um, for <laughs> station. Oh, station? Station um, shackers? Or, you know, ice bomb, COs, whatever. Um, oh, every, every Pretty much every play because they just left him wide open. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the, the, I'm just going to go through the first five plays of the Penn State game just to give you guys an idea of what I'm talking about. And then um, I think we'll, we'll get the point of what's going on with the team. First play of the game, um, Penn State's coming up. Uh, I, Andrew Funk, who was the guy who basically was unconscious in the second half, uh, he runs down. He goes down to the baseline, runs back up. Myers just falling asleep. Funk gets a wide open three at the at the top of the key. He didn't Meyer didn't even get picked. He just like wasn't looking at at the guy. Um, wide open three. Set third play of the game. The second play we actually played defense. We run that press after a made basket. Meyer was unconscious first like five ten minutes. Um, Coleman and and chaps. This is the problem with the press. He Coleman will like cheat up, but he won't commit to trapping. So, yeah, you can't, you can't go. Ahead. So what happens is, is Coleman just like decides, Hey, I'm going to go stand near this guy, but I'm not going to apply any pressure to him or I'm not going to, you know, see where my guy is. And so he just, sta- he's like just standing in the middle of the court. They skip the pass over and then, um, Melendez needs to, uh, you know, basically choose if I'm going to guard, guard one guy who has a layup or another guy who's going to hit a, get a three. They get a wide open three. Um, and then the other interesting thing, this is the fourth play of the game. Um, there is a switch where um, basically this team, for some reason, and, and I've never seen this in like a switch everything offense, like even if a guy runs by you, you think that you need to switch. Like, which, and so <laughs> what happens is, is that I think it was Melendez and uh, Sky Clark like one of their one of the guys they were guarding just ran by the other guy and then they 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 thought oh i need to switch on this and that just gave they i think it was melendez um that gave somebody a wide open 3 um and then on the fifth play once again we just have the point man on the press watching and we get you know late rotations get past another wide open 3 um or not a wide open 3 it was actually a drive so basically, out of the first five plays, they all, one of them was good defense. Um, the other thing that I want to mention throughout that game is that Dane looked completely lost at times um, on defense. Uh, when Penn State went five 
you know, five out. Dane would just run to, this happened a couple of times, Dane would run to the middle of the court, being like, all right, yeah, my guy's supposed to be here. And then what, what would happen is, like, the guy he was guarding was actually just at the three-point line, and they would just pass it to him, and they had a wide-open three. <laughs> or he, they would run a pick-and-roll, um, and Jalen Pickett, or, or, you know, one of their other guards, Seth Lundy, um, would just get a pretty easy shot because Dane has to drop back and, and drop coverage. And I think what's confusing to the players is sometimes they don't know who's on the court at the yeah. at, at times. So what happens is is they think, oh, I'm supposed to switch this, and I'm going to stay with my guy, and then um, Dane's actually not switching. So players get wide open. Um, yeah. So and then a few other things just from like that I noted. The picket post-ups killed them um, in, in basically the entire game. W- one thing that I've noticed about Brad is he likes to guard um, basically five on five with no help. And what happens sometimes is like Pickett would get so, you know, into the paint where basically all he had to do is like jump up and turn around and unless like Hawkins was guarding him, he would have basically a layup and they didn't try to help him at all there. And I've noticed that like a trend like a few times with um, bigger guards or forwards that kind of post up our guards. We've always struggled with that. And so, I mean, I think that's just a bad matchup for us unless we want to try to double there. Um, and then the other thing, this is on offense. Um, Penn State was actually fouling Dane on purpose. Um, yep. oh, I, that's a smart move. Um, they did it four times. That's, yeah, that's going to hurt us. Um, Dane, Dane's got to learn how to shoot some free throws. So w- what I noticed is basically once they got in the, um, if, if, he, if he went up for a shot, they just basically made sure he didn't make it and fouled him. And if they were over the, the um, one and one limit, they would just foul him. So Brad needs to know that and, and decide, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him out if he's going to do this until they're going to do this until he can make free throws. But, I mean, notably from the Penn State game, there was not an offense being ran. They had one nice uh, 1-4 high stack play, but that's literally about it. It was a pretty poor performance with a lot of unforced turnovers. So I think, you know, the, the, the lesson here is that they need to shore up this switching thing, and they need to understand that unless I'm getting picked, I should be able to stay with my guy. They just, they just do it at, at any point. And I think some players think, oh, I'm supposed to stay with this guy, and sometimes I'm not. Um, one time we had a double switch where Dane and, I think it was Dane and Coleman, they both went to one guy, then they both pointed, and then they both went to the other guy, and then they <laughs> pointed again, and they went back to the other guy, and then Miles Dredd got a wide open three. He had, I think he had like five or six the entire yeah. game. I, well, that, was, that was the concern, I think, coming into the game. We talked about it that they're a good three point shooting team, and that's what ended up biting us. But Jubes, well done, Jack. Jubes, you know what? That I was thinking the whole time is I, I'm going to buy the domain JavaJubes.com. <laughs> I want you to aggregate your rankings, and we'll have we'll have Jubes' own rankings <laughs> led by the job, sponsored by the yeah, Java men. I I think we need to make that happen. one last one last nugget on the offense. If you have a fifty percent. Um, assist to field goal ratio, you know, that's acceptable. If you have a 65%, that's pretty good. The last three games, their assist to field goal ratio is 
2%, which is the fourth worst of any high major team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Not ideal. Not ideal. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we gotta we gotta transition. We gotta talk some bragging rights. You can find me in St. Louis. gun play, rain all day. I spy a tiger from the crow's nest. Scotty Shaps previewing bragging rights. Talk to me on the Mizzou Tigers. Yep, it's bragging rights season here. I know we're gonna have at least one Java man. Uh in attendance java joe will be there legs are you gonna make it down there i know the weather is looking iffy questionable i there's you know somebody doesn't want us to be in st louis last year was covid (laughs) this year the winter storm not the real i know the illini so i think you know some things going on fixes then i know the (laughs) illini section is is sold out their allotment of tickets was sold out so it should be it should be a good turnout. It's always rowdy down there, so I think that'll be should be a fun game to watch. Mizzou has actually looked pretty good so far this season. They're ten and one under their new coach Dennis Gates, which I had to look up where he even came from. He was at Cleveland State the before, tournament team. and he was yeah they <laughs> wow. they won the Horizon. I think they went to the tournament under him a couple times, <clears throat> and so they've they've had a pretty week schedule but they've beaten everyone that they're supposed to their one loss was to kansas and they got pummeled by kansas by like 30 points oh wow who's their who's their best win their best win ucf yeah that's a good question ucf they beat on a buzzer beater the other night ucf's okay um but we're yeah so I mean, they really than, haven't played anyone they haven't yeah other than kansas will be their toughest opponent yet but they do have a brutal stretch coming up, actually. After us, they, they, they've got like four out of five games versus ranked teams. So they, they just played Kansas a couple games ago, then they have us. And their next two games are Kentucky and Arkansas. So it's a pretty tough stretch for Mizzou. But they've actually been okay so far. They've, they've beaten who they've needed to beat. They, uh, I caught some of that UCF game. They won on a, on a last-second three. And... But they actually shot the ball really well. They were 13 of 25 from deep in that game. They've got a couple really good shooters on their team, so we might be in trouble on that, as Jubes just talked to. We <laughs> apparently hate defending good three-point yeah. shooters. That so that's something me. to watch out for. They play really, really fast, too. They want to get up and down the court. Almost a quarter of their scoring comes on fast breaks, which is, I think, first in the country. Wow. So okay. they just want to get out and run, uh, which I'm, I don't know how we're going to do that. I don't know how we're going to react to that because, honestly, I don't think we do a good job when teams want to get out and run and transition because we seem to just scramble and kind of collapse into the paint and then just they kick it out to wide open threes. So I think that's one scary thing and one thing to look out for in this game. Um. Their leading scorer is a guy that actually followed Gates from Cleveland State. He's a transfer, Demoy Hodge, who scores about 16 points a game. And they've got four players that are in double figures, so they do spread it around a good amount, but they're really, really small. Their starting front court is like 6'8", 6'6", 
they're starting Dane time. Yeah, they're Dane all they're time. all shorter than that. Six five, six four. Their guard, their point guard is five ten. So it will be interesting to see. But he's a really really good shooter. Both their guards shoot over like forty two percent from three. So again, I, I think it's going to come down to the defensive effort. Do we actually rotate and, and close out on shooters and get back in transition because they're just going to want to run this coach? Dennis Gates comes from the, um, the, Lemon, the Leonard Hamilton tree. He was an assistant at Florida State for a while. Tubes, I know we're pretty familiar with those teams. They just, like they want to build a team of athletes and they want to just get out and run and and dunk on you and everyone's kind of like the same size in the Florida State lineups. I think it's going to be kind of similar thing that Dennis Gates is going to try to do at Mizzou. So, it's going to be like definitely a different look than what we're used to from Mizzou fans. It's kind of all new names and faces that we're not really going to be familiar with. I don't know if it'll be a Dane Danger game because we thought that might be the case against Penn State against a, yeah. a smaller team, but really he kind of just gets exposed defensively when he can't, you know, get out and and defend the perimeter. So I think it's really just going to come down to staying really disciplined on defense. And if we do that, we're going to be able to score on them because they're not good defensively at all, and they are really small, so we'll be able to crash the boards offensively. Hawkins... Should have a really good game in this one, too. And it's going to come down to, to just execution. We'll see what that what the new-look offense does uh, with another game under their belt. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. I, I, I'm pumped for the game. I'm really hoping I could get down there because I don't know if we could watch. It's on SEC Network. So that's another factor. It's on the, <laughs> yeah, that it's could on hurt the sports some people. Package. Yeah. It yeah. is, is, yeah. You have, you have, Roger, you have, you have. Like, oh, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Crisis averted. I was getting worried about that. Crisis averted. I, I was, I was worried I'm gonna have to drive through a snowstorm, but just to watch the that game, still, yeah. still might be in the cards. We'll see. And I mean, quite frankly, I just want to have a Vegas bomb with Joe and McGurks. Yeah, we just we like the old times. We need to see a cut to the crowd with Joe lifting you. In his arms, you know, tossing you into the air. The new Marlins, man. After. <laughs> yeah, the new Marlins. Okay, so we're filling in for Mr. P this week. We're going to go into the Vegas suite. Jubes, you got to lead it off. We're predicting the line. I, I like the timing of these podcasts because the, the lines haven't come out, so I, I kind of enjoy guessing what it's going to be. I've been, I've been a little optimistic in, in all of them so far. Yeah, but Jukes, I mean, what do I you think, got? I think Illinois is going to you know, be favored. Um, I'm guessing some, if I, I'd, I'd give a range of like six and a half to eight. Uh, you, um, you know, if I was pledging and you put a gun to my head, I'd say, you know, like, <laughs> yeah I'm, a I'm, mad dog in your man, hand say a line or chug it i'd give i'd say you know i'd say they're they're minus seven and a half um but that, that's that's my prediction just given how we if, if if the last two games hadn't happened i think it would have been um a little bit higher but chaps yeah you're pretty close to what i was thinking i was gonna say six and a half 
I, well, I, I'm I'm a little more worried about. It. I'm gonna say three and a half minus three and a half Illini, and maybe it's the recency bias on that one. But let's just hope that Matthew Meyer he gets some sleep. His body's <laughs> feeling good. Your body is well, help and, is on the way too. Yeah, he, that's true. That great, great segue, uh-huh. Scotty Shaft. Yeah, we got the Metalou, the Metalou, which means. The French sailor, Zachary Pirine. Pirine I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm not going to lie. But good news. I think the Round Ball podcast was getting all worked up about it, that the Illini are adding a 6'10 center to the squad. Yeah, uh, you know, NCAA rigged to help the Illini as once. usual. You know, every, yeah, everything always what? goes our way. No, if you Warren remember, must be too busy with the, the college football playoff. He's not worrying about basketball Yeah, we yet. snuck this one under his belt, I think, uh, <laughs> when he wasn't looking. But, yeah, if you remember this guy, he, he signed with us, but because of, I don't know, some passport issues or what the heck it was, he wasn't able to enroll at the start of the semester. So he enrolled at some, at some high school. Uh, in Kansas, I think at that, what is it, Jubes at Sunrise? Yeah, yeah you know I'm, I'm sure about? everybody loves Su- playing against him. <clears throat> yeah, that Sunrise <laughs> Christian Academy in Wichita, but he couldn't actually play for them in games. So all he did, all he's been doing for, for the past couple months is just practicing with. It's a really, really good high school team. So he's been practicing with the high school. Yeah, team. so he's been <laughs> hilarious. But he is really, really young. I think he's only like yeah. seventeen or eighteen. Could have joined the Parkland team. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why well. he didn't just go to the Ark for the past couple months and and play pickup games. There was probably just as good a competition there. But yeah, this kid all of a sudden came out of nowhere today that he's eligible immediately and he's going to be joining the team. He's kind of built exactly like Coleman Hawkins. He's like 6'10". He, yeah. he plays that stretch four, five role. He was really successful in, you know, like the U18 tournaments overseas and in whatever French league he was playing in. Like he was the MVP of the French B League that he was. I, I don't know the talent level in the French B League. It's probably higher than the, <laughs> the Japan League that Kofi is in. <laughs> But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if this guy actually contribute. I mean, it's it's a tough time to come in. Like we're starting a Big Ten play, you know, after the new year, and obviously, like the competition ramps up. Then the Big Ten's probably a lot more physical than what he's seen, and so it's going to be interesting if if he actually is able to get some minutes this season. I mean, he might honestly just like a practice guy and maybe here and there he gets in or he comes out of nowhere and actually gets real minutes backing up Hawkins or maybe you can play him and Hawkins together at times you move Hawkins to the four or whatever it is but yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see for the uh for the Frenchman yeah I, I, I wonder what he's like defensively if he's able to move like Coleman because Coleman can guard anybody basically um, and it's, I mean, it's just hard for somebody that big to be able to do that. So if, if you, yeah, I think he, yeah, he seems like a way more natural scorer than Hawkins is where Hawkins came in and is, is kind of like learning how to play offense now. 
but he's really, really good defensively, where this guy, I'm guessing, probably has to learn more on defense, but he, he from his numbers overseas, he, he's like a primary scorer. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, he'll be learning the offense at the same time as the team, so I think it's a good time for... <laughs> That's yeah, they're all in in the same boat. No pun intended. <laughs> all right. Well, last thing before we sign off for the night, our guy Bert contract extension. I think we were all pumped to see. There's been there's been a lot of noise as well from the recruiting front for the line eye football. So we'll touch that touch on that at, on a later date. Boys, thanks for joining tonight. Awesome job. Java Jubes. We're going to get javajubes.com for you guys. We're, we're going to get some analytics sites going. The Spy breaking down the Mizzou Tigers. Wee oui, wee. Oui. I think it. I, I think it's a huge week. I, I think this game against the Tigers, most importantly for what's going on inside the locker room right now, I think I think we need a win for the confidence just to to make sure we get the ship back on yeah, course. Yeah, we don't want to go into Chicago. I mean, Evanston. Um, you know, losing <laughs> losing to Mizzou, and then your only last two wins are a- Alabama, A and M, and A and M, and Bethune Cookman. So, um. yeah, yeah, <laughs> no no doubt about that, dude. So, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next week. Make sure you listen for the Mizzou Alina recap. ILL, happy holidays. Yeah, it's time to walk the plank.